All we need is water and love. All we need is water and love. All we need What's up? Yo, man. How's, how's it going? How's it going on, man? Yeah. What was the last thing you bought? Think about that while you listen to Jacob's fine music. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. I don't want to be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, wanna be vengeful, no I don't wanna be a soldier Don't wanna be militaristic Don't wanna help that cycle I just wanna be A countercultural pacifist I don't wanna be a racist Don't wanna be a capitalist Don't wanna be sexist, no I don't wanna pass judgment, don't wanna hold grudges, don't wanna be hateful, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't wanna shop at Walmart, don't wanna grow Monsanto, don't wanna drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't wanna burn petrol, don't wanna eat perfect fruit, don't wanna feel guilty, I just wanna be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I wanna be authentic, I wanna be radical, I wanna be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I wanna be humble, I wanna be progressive, I wanna be open, I'm inspiration. I wanna be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao. I wanna be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr. Like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Dillon, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ. But mostly, I just wanna be me. I just wanna be me. Most people would guess that I last bought Starbucks coffee. Although I do enjoy a good cup of coffee, I probably don't go as often as people think. Sometimes I stick to a budgeted amount for the month. Other times I go weeks and weeks without a visit. Then thanks to market tracking, they send me a discounted offer, and I'm back again. How does buying most affect you? Certainly today's marketing, with rewards, cards, and points, and tracking, makes it hard to get away from the constant bombarding to buy. By the way, clearing your browser occasionally will get rid of those tracking cookies, but I'm, I'm sure you know that. When we think of simple living, it can go in many directions. What is the simplest item or the simplest circumstance of your life? Gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free. Did you decide? Is it your living arrangement? Is that what's simplest? 
or your diet, or your dress, or your possessions. Jonathan Stauffer, Bethany's seminary student and soon-to-be graduate, gives us some additional and challenging ways to think about simple living. He has us realize that simple living is a spiritual discipline. He offers Dunker Punks a great meal of food for thought. It has been often said in the Church of the Brethren that the manner of our living should be in concert with how we understand Jesus and our relationship with God. In fact, annual conference, our traditional process of determining brethren principles through voluntary representation within the membership, accepted a statement in 1996 that reaffirmed a Christ-centered motivation for simple living. This statement upholds the need for maintaining a, quote, single-hearted devotion to God, end quote, and a receptivity to the Holy Spirit. Putting it another way, brethren agree that the central focus of simple living is on seeking the kingdom of God instead of the values of this world. This idea of simple living seems pretty straightforward at the start, but what does it mean to live simply today? One thing I can say for sure, simple living isn't so simple. But that fact doesn't mean we should dismiss it either. Instead, we need to remember that simple living takes continual reflection on how our lifestyles are shaped by following Jesus. In other words, it is a spiritual discipline. My hope for this episode is to walk you through some points to consider as a Christian in the spiritual discipline of simple living. One way dunkards of the past lived simply came by wearing plain clothing. The Old Order German Baptist, Amish, and several other Anabaptist-leaning groups continued to wear attire with neutral colors and minimal ornamentation. Some of these groups even choose to own certain items in common. But as time moved on, the brethren came to different conclusions as to how attitudes of faith should be reflected in their manner of living. I'm not going to go into the details of how these conclusions played out in the various brethren groups we see today. I'll leave that interesting history for yourself to explore. But one thing that all groups of brethren have sought is to count well the costs, or consider the response that our faith in Jesus requires of how we live. Okay, enough on brethren history. How are we to live simply today? Let's turn to some scripture to help us learn more about this spiritual practice. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, quote, do not stir up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But stir up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These verses are located in the middle of the section known as the Sermon on the Mount. As we read on, we would later hear Jesus talk about keeping our desires in check because we cannot serve both God and money. Jesus reminds us that setting our hearts and minds for eternal values of God's righteousness are more important. By the end of chapter 6, Jesus tells us not to worry about what we have, but instead seek what God desires for us to do in the present. So we have a biblical explanation of how simple living is a Christian spiritual practice 
that focuses on God's priorities instead of accumulating possessions. Of course, the church, being made up of human beings, doesn't live in a vacuum. It lives in a world that is often influenced by cultures around us. In terms of our American culture, the church must be aware of the myths that create harmful influences. By myth, I mean an underlying story which supports a cultural image. Dana Cassell eloquently talked about the myth of imperialism and the subversive way that Jesus countered it in an earlier Dunker Punks episode, Awakened to Empire, and I encourage you to listen to that episode as well. I'm going into a somewhat related area, the myth of affluence. The myth of affluence enforces an economy of blind consumption in the United States of America and other developed countries. Let me explain further by reading an article written by one of its proponents. In the spring of 1955, economist Victor Lebeau wrote in the Journal of Retailing a statement that supports this myth. Quote, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. End quote. In essence, Lebeau is saying that the marketplace drives people to consume more. And note, he is using religious language here. So within the last 50 years, Americans have become driven by a culture of excessive consumerism. And examples can easily come from the parade of advertisements we encounter each day and virtually everywhere. Whether on TV, radio, or the internet, the primary goal of advertising is to persuade you to buy a product or service, whether or not you actually need it. If left unchecked, this obsession to consume and accumulate can develop into greed. And by this point, we know that greedy people only care about satisfying their egos instead of God's priorities and the needs of others. Another goal of advertising is often to make one feel the need to purchase an object or else be perceived to be inferior without it. Commercial gain taken to this extreme erodes the self-worth of an individual. Simple Living seeks to counter this excessive culture of consumerism through maintaining basic human needs and by reclaiming our self-worth as children of God. At the same time, the global economy is founded on this need to generate wealth through unlimited consumption. Why else do you think the United States and other nations want to keep vying for influence on key oil reserves and certain other natural resources? But as Dunker Punks, we are called to another way of living. Our faith in Christ compels us to reverse these trends of greed and excess which seem to drive much of our world toward destruction. We look to scripture to remember God's priorities of bringing reconciliation, justice, and shalom to the world. The way of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's leading is what makes this redemptive transformation possible within ourselves and the created world. And this transformation is made manifest through practices of simple living. Of course, our bodies require the consumption of certain materials to ensure its survival, so we have to be mindful of what things we truly need to live in order to help us determine what other things are considered excessive. Let's begin with our physiological needs, or the things that our human body needs to function. I'm borrowing here from Tom Brown Jr.'s Wilderness Survival book. In it, he describes the four physiological needs in order of importance. They are shelter, water, energy, and food. Shelter 
protects us from extreme weather and helps maintain proper body temperature. Examples include the buildings we live and work in, and the types of clothing that we wear. Sources of energy such as gasoline and electricity help heat or cool our buildings, as well as cook food and get us to the places we need to go. Water and food support our body's ability to function. So when one is meeting these four needs adequately, they are able to survive on a basic level. We are also social beings and need interaction with others to feel complete. The social needs along with creativity brings about forms of art and entertainment that add more variety to life. On the other hand, social pressures can cause one to conform to dominant economic systems and political structures that we see today. In addition to business, religion has also been a social force that's contributed to environmental degradation and economic disparity. But religions are also gradually reclaiming a more ancient understanding within their traditions to care for the earth and promote the well-being of all living things. And Christianity is no different. As I am learning in my study of ecological theology, Christianity certainly has its own principles of caring for creation and dismantling destructive social systems. So in addition to a spiritual practice, I believe that Christ leads us through simple living to be more eco-friendly and work towards more reconciliation within God's creation. But let's get back to the main idea of what simple living requires. We are now at a place where I can provide a guiding question for practices of simple living. With confronted with a decision to purchase something, you could ask yourself, which items and activities meet your basic needs, along with aiding your relationship with God and the communities you're a part of? You could also ask, which things detract from basic needs and right relationships? The important thing is to get yourself into a habit of reflection. This reflection takes individual work. Remember, it's a spiritual practice. But I believe that this work can transform our thinking into a more Christ-centered mode of sacrificial love instead of selfishness. So how do we begin to live simply? One way is to intentionally break out of our usual routine from time to time. I open myself to more reliance on God and relationships with other people when I participated in Brethren Volunteer Service for 18 months. I started in the year 2011. During that time, I received a stipend averaging a total of $650 a month to cover housing, food, and spending money. So after basic expenses were paid, I usually had around $100 for personal use. No doubt this exercise in voluntary poverty helped me to discern the use of my resources more critically. Theologian Sally McFaig writes in her book, Blessed Are the Consumers, that these experiences of voluntary poverty can aid us in this transformation towards simple living. From my own experience in BVS, I agree with McFaig. Voluntary poverty can be a powerful step in changing attitudes away from the myth of affluence. They jolt one out of a culture of individualism, accumulation, and prestige in order to regard the well-being of others. In other words, voluntary poverty is an exercise that can aid in the discipline of simple living. Since my volunteer experience, I understand that our worth as humans comes from being made in the image of God. 
not in the possessions that we have. I could sense more of the steadfast love out of which God created me and others. I was able to see the worth of other people and the sacredness of creation in view of divine love. I now find myself more appreciative of others and God's love when I focus on the way of Christ and the practice of simple living. And this is the attitude that has led me to do more with social justice work. However, if you are not able to spend a year in BVS, you could do other things that break up your usual routine. For example, going away on a camping trip with a small amount of basic items and having your cell phone turn off is one idea. Or, if you can't get away, you could also choose to put aside one possession for a week and see how well you can do without it. This is a similar practice that many Christians do during Lent, the 40 days before Easter Sunday. The point is to change things up a bit in order to get you thinking about your priorities versus God's priorities. In essence, simple living is a spiritual practice that moves us away from selfish ambitions of material wealth and toward the realization that God's love is central to the existence of the universe. Eventually we see all things as gifts from God out of love rather than possessions obtained. Attitudes of gratitude, compassion, humility, and celebration all result from simple living. The Apostle Paul speaks of these virtues in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. Let me read them for you. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Let's recap. Simple living is our faithful response to God's grace as revealed in Jesus Christ and reflected out into the world. It requires determining what basic items we need to live well, instead of giving in to the distracting and destructive desires that our current socio-economic system drives. It also helps us go to a deeper faith life, because it connects us more with the values that Jesus modeled during his ministry and what the love of God calls us to do. I think these concepts get to the original intent of simple living that the Church of the Brethren embraced from its beginnings, and that would serve us well today. I now offer a revised guiding question for simple living. Does this object or activity help me demonstrate the love of God as revealed in Jesus for myself and others? My hope is this question provides some guidance for you to start reflecting on simple living within your own context. It also helps to share experiences within community. After all, this is a purpose of the church. So I invite you to leave a comment on the Dunker Punks page about your ideas for simple living. What's worked for you? What hasn't? What could be improved? And what would be encouraging for others? I am also open to correspond by email with you. Just ask the curators of this podcast for my email address. the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we are to be.
And when we find ourselves in the place just right, it will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning we come round right. Now I pray that God will guide you on the journey of simple living, and that the outcomes of this discipline will add more effectiveness in your faith in Christ, but also serve to build up the community of Christ and heal God's world. Go forth and serve. Amen. Would you call yourself simple? Simple, minimalist, small house, plain clothes. All these and many, many more are different ways to live simply, but they don't define the only ways to live simply. We each must struggle to decide where we most need to simplify, or as the bumper sticker goes, live simply so others can simply live. Yesterday, I visited the Washington National Cathedral and spent a day there. It is as far from a simple brethren meeting house as I could get, and yet it was a very simple place for a day of retreat and renewal. I looked at the ornate windows, the elaborate interior, the exterior of stone upon stone, but I also had my lunch outside in a very simple stone gazebo overlooking a garden full of herbs and local plants nothing elaborate there the contrast really struck me that simple takes decisions and decisions come with problems i i remember this story and i want to say it was dan west when he was teaching a class of a few people, and his son happened to be one of them, and he challenged the class to give away half their wardrobe. His son leaned over to a friend and said, great, there goes my other pair of pants. Simple living, simple decisions, no, the decisions are never simple. Suzanne found a blogger this week by the name of Hannah Jinks, and you can find her blog at www.seeingthelovely.com. And she has a nice take on simple living. She says, Simple living looks different for everyone, which is why it can be so hard to define simple living. It's not a one-size-fits-all set of rules that everyone should try to follow. She takes a slightly different take than one might think as she describes some examples. For some, living simply might include having a larger house that allows them to host many guests and practice generous hospitality. For others, simple living might mean having a small house in order to save money, to live debt-free, or to support a mission. Instead of playing the simple living comparison game, she says, think about the gifts that you have. Are you spending your time well? What about money? How are you blessing your family with your gifts? 
And how are you blessing your community with these gifts? Simple living isn't a set of rules. It's an attitude towards life. It is living in a way that uses our God-given resources to bless others. Jonathan directed us back to the Sermon on the Mount for instruction, a place we dunker punks begin. You already heard him describe the fake priority of accumulating things. So what guides or will guide you after today in creating a more simplified life? When you make your decision or renew your determination, will you share it with other dunker punks? If you go to Dunker Punk's pod Facebook page, you can post a simple reply for others to see, or you can write a blog post on DunkerPunks.com. Either way, you'll help me, and you'll bless me, for I have found that the only way to live simply in the world is to have the support of others. So help me, Dunker Punks, and this week, send me a word of encouragement. All we need is water and love. Go now in the blessing and the power of Jesus' Spirit, which is always available to help and strengthen us for living simply. Till by turning, turning, we come round right. The Dunker Punks podcast is created by a dozen contributors simply seeking God's priorities. Called to another way of living. Jacob Krause created our theme song. I produced the show along with Suzanne Lay, who also edited this week. Connect with the podcast on social media by searching for Dunker Punk's Pod. Find our archive of episodes on arlingtoncobb.org dpp and read more about Dunker Punk's on dunkerpunks.com. Our next episode, Sarah Olaminick returns all the way from Ecuador to share a show with us. Tune in in two weeks. <laughs>